Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back. Episode 10, Nature Roots Live, Holistic Health Talk and Nutrition, CMOS Part 2. I have a wonderful episode planned for you guys tonight. Sit tight. Don't go anywhere. I'm your host, Robert Diaz, bringing you the best in holistic health talk and nutrition. Episode 10, Nature Roots Live Holistic Health Talk, bringing you the best in holistic nutrition, plant-based research, bringing you the facts, debunking, and bringing you the truth. I'm your host, Robert Diaz, Certified Holistic Nutritionist, broadcasting to you from the lovely Boynton Beach, Florida, on a wonderful Saturday night. Sit tight. I have an excellent episode, CMOS Part 2. Let's get familiar with the facts. All right. tuned in to Nature Roots Radio. I'm your host, Robert Diaz, Certified Holistic Nutritionist, broadcasting to you live from Boynton Beach. Have a wonderful episode on CMOS. We talked about part one. We're back for part two. We're going to bring you the facts, focusing on the importance of the biochemistry of the common red algaes. Sit tight. I have a wonderful episode planned for you guys tonight. I'm your host, Robert Diaz, Certified Holistic Nutritionist, broadcasting to you live from Boynton Beach, Florida, back with episode 10, October 5th, Saturday night, a wonderful, lovely night here in Boynton Beach. And I, I want to dig right in where we left off at last episode, this is part two, but in part one, we we touched on this wonderful thing we call CMOS and I would like to dig a little deeper utilizing some of the reference material that I have tonight sharing some of my past experience with this wonderful seaweed so when we talk about CMOS we talk about a specific Species. We talk about a specific class, if you will, of the algae, the algae, the algae. And 
we understand that they are classified with various characteristics, primarily some being color, as I explained in part one. And primarily being multicellular or single cellular organisms, as we understood and knew once that all marine biology was once a single cell organism. Seaweed, sea moss, we know is in the red classification. And specifically, when we take a closer look on how we view the taxonomy and the biological scientific classification, the arrangement of of the algae, the red algae, I want to familiarize you guys with understanding its classification because as some listeners may have heard me say before, there's over 7,000 species and this is in the red class and there's the green and the brown class which I'm not really discussing but Irish moss falls into this red class of over 7,000 species and primarily in this show I'm going to speak about two of those species one you guys may be familiar with Chondrus crispus this is a cold water species I'll get into the details on that later and two Gracilaria species cultured warm water the kingdom phylum okay the division for the red species in their order is archaeoplastida okay and that's rhodophyta meaning land plant red some like I said were green and, and brown algaes but this is the the kingdom and the origin going back millions of years ago when we when we classified the origins of sea moss, primarily this red algae. The phylum, the organisms, okay, Archaeplastida, land plants, the class, Rhytophytaceae, again, red algaes, and say subclass. And this is typically the family that we see in the warm waters. Amazing. You're probably wondering, well, how are all these class and families so abundant? As I said before, understanding single-cell organisms. And primarily, we know that the red algae, sea moss, is a multicellular marine algae, a multicellular organism. So that means that over time, this seaweed has evolved in itself, in its growth. It's it's mutated within the ability to be a multicellular organism for, for the survival of its life. And they play a major role in coral reef development in the natural environment. So very, very interesting and very important to understand that we we look at species and I want you guys to keep that on your mind the abundance of species not just a couple hundred but several thousands several thousands of species and I'm only discussing two primarily which I believe most of us here in the United States look at sea moss as a nutritional supplement right me being a holistic health coach, herbalist, leader of the conscience holistic community, member of a couple of boards. We focus on alternative and primarily in the plant-based lifestyle. We, we, we go a little even deeper and we focus on greater options in alternative medicine and care. And the CMOS is an excellent source for alternative use of medicine. It's an excellent nutraceutical, if you will, non-medical reference terminology that, in my opinion, acts as a great supplement, a multi 
functional supplement. And just know, I don't make any suggestions or recommendations. I'm not a licensed medical doctor in any form of practice. But this is more for educational purposes. As I've said before, Nature Roots Radio Show is a holistic learning platform, an educational platform, bringing you the best in holistic health talk. And that's the goal, is to debunk and bring the facts and the truth and educate, right? That's what this platform serves. When we look at the CMOS, we look at it, I believe, like I said, as a nutritional supplement. And there's been various case studies, there's been various claims, there's been various testimonies that we can search up on Google and find about the benefits of CMOS. Now, I'd like to make a point when we talk about identification because it's very important to understand that the identification can be very tricky and terminology plays a very important role in identification. So if the terminology is not proper or if the terminology is not utilized correctly, we could be speaking of a different species than what we really think of, considering there's over several thousands. So CMOS is a term that was coined in the Caribbean back in the 70s, from what I have in my research paper. And tonight, for reference, my reference will be from the National Center of Biological Information, and I'll use various white papers. I have some from Science Direct Database, Agricultural and Biological Science. I have some from the Journal of Applied Psychology in the National Center of Biological Information, again, nationalinstituteofhealth.gov, discussing various nutritional functional sources for algae as nutrition. I have the ResearchGate database referencing the nutrient composition of selected edible seaweeds, right? Because I know, I know we all want to know about why the sea moss is so, so important. Why is it so beneficial? What's the big hype? And we have to understand when we go to the ocean, we're going to see really, really awesome options in health, I believe, in alternative holistic medicine that benefit the human body. When we understand our composition, we're primarily made of water, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, in molecular format. And when we're able to maintain that makeup of water, which very much mimics the salinity of the ocean and the seas, when we look at the chemical makeup, I believe we do our body some great justice and we're able to utilize the plant food sources, so not really the animal seafood, but the true and living seafood that keeps everything else alive. And that goes all the way down to the marine phytoplankton, the microscopic single-cell organisms that started everything a billion years ago. Because without these guys, you have no life in the ocean. And understanding the ocean is the source and makeup for everything that we have. So the research on the nutritional composition is very important. And the term CMOS, as I stated, was utilized here in the Americas, primarily Central America. And this terminology goes back to the Caribbean, as I stated. So I have a case study, improving the quality and viability in traditional beverages, Irish moss. Now, you say, wait a minute, Irish moss, you said sea moss. And this is why I said earlier, it's very important to understand terminology. 
because the two terms, sea moss and Irish moss, are typically used interchangeably to describe sometimes what's thought to be the same seaweed, which indeed is not really truly the case. But it depends on your understanding and geographical location, as we understand Irish moss term reference history, origin of location, and CMOS term reference. And that's that's what I would like to, to share with you guys. So the background to Irish moss is both popular traditional milk-based beverage in Europe, primarily Scotland, Ireland, believe it or not, South America, and like I said, the Caribbean, as well as naturally occurring and widely cultivated seaweeds. For example, Conjus crispus, Okay, that's what we call our cold water Irish moss and Grossularia species, subcontrous crispus. Commonly called Irish moss or carrageenan moss in parts of Europe and is a protus that, while typically red in color, also varies from green to dark purple and brown. And that color primarily depends on when you're looking at it, whether it's in life, in the water, or whether it's been dried. But typically, in the living life form, you're going to see the conjus crispus with those colors of red, brown, purple, and some hues of green. It's comprised mainly of carrageenan. Now, I mentioned carrageenan in the previous podcast, but the carrageenan is the active polysaccharide compound that's found in most of these red algaes that we speak of. And they are responsible for food production because of their polysaccharide compounds, meaning the long chains, the chemical bonds that make up the structure of the red algaes have been found to be great. For, for use in food industry and I have so much information when we look at where origin okay going back to Asia over 300 years ago when 300 years ago we realized the abundance and use of the multicellular red marine algae okay class right they'll fight to say now I gave you the kingdom. I gave you the class. Let's talk about the order. And this is the taxonomy and biological scientific classification and how we classify the red algaes. And I, I wanted to take the time to do this because when I mention a certain species, it's important that we understand that species characteristics because they all have different characteristics. It's very important to understand that those characteristics are unique within the environment in which that seaweed grows in. So order common typically we have the Grossulariae's, the Nemalales, the Ceramilles, the Rhodolales, and the Gigatarntes. And there's more orders, but these are the orders that I identified as being valuable because typically these are where we find the families of the primarily used sea moss. For nutritional benefits. Those families. Include. Gigatartasae. Galitasae. And Sodalasae. And those genius would be. Ichiyuma. Which is a very common. Species. Sub. Grossularia. Ichiyuma. Katani. That you will find. Originating from the Caribbean. Now, I want to go back to the article, the case study I was reading about regarding the term Irish moss. 
because we understand that Irish moss is is used in two forms, primarily to describe a species of the cold water moss, Chondrus crispus, but also to describe the nutritional beverage or once thought to be nutritional or just the popular traditional milk-based beverage known as Irish moss. So it contains the 55% carrageen and 10% protein, 15% minerals. And that's that's pretty high. And a significant level of sulfur and iodine. So when we look at just, wow, a seaweed that has minerals, sulfur, iodine, protein, carrageenan, polysaccharides. This is amazing what I call seaweed superfood. Let's continue. It's consumed, okay, as a beverage in the Caribbean, the Chondrus crispus, but also in other parts of the country in other parts of the world in most parts of Europe and Asia where it's cultivated it's used in desserts and as gels and puddings it's commonly used with agar which is a derivative of another species of the of the gigatarnte family of red algaes and that's used as a, a binder or a gelling agent, if you will. And they're also red family algaes, Rhytophyta. These seaweeds are also cultivated and consumed in Africa, Europe, Oceania, South America, and, and the beverages and the jellies also in Asia and other parts are part of the traditional diets of those areas. So, we understand that here in the United States, sea moss and, and the making of sea moss gel, right? Taking the seaweed and, and, and breaking it down into an aqueous water base and, and blending it or cooking it, which I don't recommend, turns it into a gel because of its polysaccharides. And we utilize this gel nutritiously for its mineral content for its protein makeup, for its rich source of sulfur and iodine, as we understand how this benefits the human body. But it's very important to understand the makeup. It's very important to understand the role that sea moss, this red algae and this Irish moss have in our nutritional intake. Sea moss in countries of the Caribbean region, okay, is the term that's commonly used. So, sea moss relatively is referring to Irish moss, the species. Chondrus crispus, which is a cold water moss, which is not native, okay? It's not native to the Caribbean. But the name is used to describe the subspecies Grossularia. And this is commonly what you're going to find in your Caribbean islands. So the case study I have in countries in the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States, parts of the Caribbean region, Irish moss is a beverage, as I explained to you, describing the Chondrus crispus. However, it's the Grassolari that's used. And it's boiled with milk before adding sugar, spices, cinnamon, and vanilla. And traditionally, the beverage is... Uh, sometimes blended with brandy or whiskey in Scotland and Ireland, and maybe in Jamaica, done that way, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and other parts of the Caribbean. 
where they boil it with milk, the cinnamon, and the vanilla. And it's believed that this beverage, when combined and taken in regard, is an aphrodisiac. So there you have folk medicine, okay, in the Caribbean, knowing the makeup, utilizing a form of red algae, a seaweed, as an untaught alternative form of medicine. Just one, just one species of the several thousand. And this is why I make a point to understand because we know that what may have been done years ago and what's done today is probably being done in reference to, say, with a different subspecies. Understanding that the red algaes mutate, they have the ability to hybridize themselves based upon, not a bad thing, their environmental growing conditions. So these multicellular marine algae are able to sustain growth, adaptability, life. Very, very important as this plays a major role in the ecology and the marine biology makeup of the ocean. Much, much, much of the seaweeds in the Caribbean region, sea moss, typically made from Gracilaria species, is found off the coast of several countries throughout the region, with St. Lucia being a major source in the Eastern Caribbean until the late 1990s. There was actually an active program to cultivate Gracilaria there, and this is another point I like to make because part of the role that seaweed plays is in economic development in some countries. And we see this in the origin, as I said, in the cultivation of seaweed, which occurred 300 years ago. In the Southeast Pacific, primarily the Philippines, Japan, Indonesia. But we understand today, and going back at least 30 years, that seaweed cultivation has been going on around the world for quite some time now. So that says, that says a lot because that tells us that we understand the importance and the role and that it does play a benefit in food and commerce industry more so now than ever as we understand the characteristics and the properties of the Red Sea Moss. I'm your host Robert Diaz broadcasting to you live from Boynton Beach and it's getting close to midway through the show and if you guys like to call in for the second half and share your experiences on sea moss or anything around red algaes or seaweeds that you may have experience with using call us tonight live 516-453-9105 is the dial-in number i'll be more than happy to take your call and go live we're going to go ahead and prepare for our mid-show break and when i come back we're going to talk a little more about the source, the origin, the why, the how, the red seaweeds, the common gracilaria, the Irish moss, and the great, great chondrous Christmas. Sit tight, don't go anywhere.
Yes, yes. Welcome back. Nature Roots Radio. I'm your host, Robert Diaz, Certified Holistic Nutritionist, broadcasting to you live from Boynton Beach on a wonderful Saturday night. Season 2, October 5th, Part 2 CMOS. Really, really, really digging in. The first half of the show, we talked about the background, the classification, how we how we classify or view the seaweeds, important understanding the species, the class, the order. We talked a little about their location, why, when, going back over 300 years to the Asias, the Orient, with the cultivation, understanding the role that seaweed plays in economic development and commerce and trade. I'm your host, Robert Diaz, Certified Holistic Nutritionist. You're listening to Nature Roots Radio, broadcasting to you live from Boynton Beach, Florida, 516-453-9105. In the second half of the show, if you'd like to call in and share your experiences, if you've ever used any form of seaweed superfood, whether it's a brown, a red, or a green algae, give us a call. In the first half of the show, where we left off, I was I was talking about the use of the Irish moss beverage as an aphrodisiac in the Caribbean islands. And we understood that St. Lucia played a major source up until the late 90s because there was an incentive for cultivating seaweed. In Jamaica, where most of the commercially produced beverages, okay, so Jamaica was number one or is number one for producing most of these Irish moss beverages. The seaweed is imported from the Philippines. Okay, so it is not actually grown in that island and a lot of people probably would say well that's not true but if you like to have a look at this reference it's in science direct database as I said agriculture and biological science Condrus crispus okay sometimes there was a subspecies Gracilaria debilis being the preferred source and main import, but this was sometimes supplemented by Gracilaria dominginis, which was grown and sourced in Jamaica. So this is why it's important to understand, again, species, right? Because there's so many various species. While one species may have been imported, another may have been grown locally or cultivated. And notice throughout this podcast and broadcast. I haven't mentioned anything about any form of wild harvest because these algaes don't today grow in abundance or most of the species spoken of from the research papers and white papers are not abundantly or even available because of mutation and environmental influence and change. So very important to understand that and that's why I make the point centered around species and type because we see certain claims made for nutritional purposes here in the United States on various colors like purple sea moss. But we typically, or at least I have not identified species because color is just saying the kingdom. And we know that is the Rhytophytaceae family in order and the class and that covers over 7,000 species so imagine I have 7,000 seaweeds that are all purple well which one are they because they carry different characteristics as we know based upon location environment growing conditions and that determines the nutritional value in makeup which is what we want to know because that's what 
the purpose of us using it for. We have to understand that most current species didn't exist before the 60s. We have to understand the effect that the seaweeds have with change in environment and their surroundings. These seaweeds provide food source for many cultures prior to the use when it was introduced into the Caribbean islands where I believe Central South America history for use in the United States originates from. But prior to this, 1960s, we understand going back 300 years with cultivation, Asia dominates in seaweed, right? Because we understand sushi, we understand green algae, and this is no different. So a major food source in the Japanese social class, cultivated force to the ocean's resources, and this includes the chondrus, crispus, dulse, another red algae for economy, for food, for trade. So there's a rich history when we look at use of seaweeds for nutritional and food source. Global demand for microalgal and microalgal food is ever, ever growing. And this is from a article from November of 2016. Algae as nutritional and functional food sources. Revisiting our understanding. Right? Because... Again, the ocean, the largest source, the largest body on this earth, where I believe all the jewels are hidden, where I believe we have most of our nutraceutical medicine alternative forms in the ocean. And some of that is in the seaweeds because they're so great in mineral makeup and composition that mimics just like we are as humans in our makeup. There is substantial evidence for the health benefits of algae-derived food products. No question about that. And there remains considerable challenges in, in quantifying these benefits with a lot of the current studies and research, as well as adverse effects. Understanding a very important point that in 2019, when we talk about the ocean, we must also think about contamination. We must also understand the synthesis of the genes in seaweed and how they react with radiation. There's very limited understanding of nutritional composition across algae species just because the research is not there. Also, geographical regions, seasons. Okay, we have to remember that this is a, a plant that grows in the ocean that evolved from land. Archaeplastida, Rhytophyta. Land plants, red. Red land plants, translation. As a result of the earth changing. And we understand the class, floridaceae, meaning red flower, was most likely a species originating somewhere around land mass of maybe Florida, where we have our warm water moss and similar orders and families which share those similar names are found in those current regions today. The seasons play a role because as I said in my previous podcast, that light intensity, water temperature, and current 
are the primarily three factors which determine how the sea moss or the red algae or chondrus crispus, whichever species you want to think about, grow. It's applicable to all of them. And the second issue in quantifying data with understanding true, true nutritional benefits is range from food preparation through genetic difference in the gut microbiome. So we understand that everybody has a different gut makeup and we all have different different chemistries to our internal digestive gut. And this means that we all would have different benefits received and obtained possibly from the nutritional effects of the seaweed. But we understand. We understand that it is nutritious. And there are benefits to the human body. Third is understanding how algae nutrition and functional constitutes interact with human metabolism. Effects of harvesting, storage, food processing techniques can dramatically influence the potential nutritional value of algae-derived foods. So, with all of that being said, there's just so much, so much to understand centered around the nutrition of seaweeds and and I'm I'm not speaking primarily on the red but all all seaweeds because they are nutritious. And we must understand this is what we're focused on is nutrition. As I stated before, the rich mineral content, the protein makeup, the long chain polysaccharides in the form of the carrageenans, galactose as I've spoken of before, a very long chain polysaccharide sugar which we require for brain function typically only found in milk sources breast milk for human use in this case in addition to nutrition algae increasingly is being marketed and it's not going away one of the terms we understand are functional foods or nutraceuticals because these terms have no legal status in many countries and nations but describe foods that contain bioactive compounds or phytochemicals that may benefit health beyond the role of basic nutrition. And this is this is why I love nutrition because as a nutritionist we understand food is, is health. It's the one contributing factor that you control to your health. The one, the primarily contributing factor. And when we talk about one single source food su- substance, one single source plant, seaweed, vegetable having nutritional value, bioactive compounds, phytochemicals, it's amazing. And some of those are basic in anti-inflammatories and disease prevention, which is very, very, very important in 2019. Very, very important. Many studies have reported nutritional or bioactive content of different algae but very little have quantified the bioavailability of the nutrients and the phytochemicals. So there's still a lot of research. There's still a lot of investigating studies to be done. One purpose is to review and assess what is known about different food components. For example, like I said, the polysaccharides, the lipids, the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, the potential of toxicants. Okay, we understand that it is a radioactive source of Absorption within the genetic makeup of the red algaes, primarily. Not so much the greens and the browns. Improving knowledge is something that should be a long-term goal when we talk about seaweed nutrition. And we should constantly, constantly be searching for new research data as it is being made available more so ever as we begin to understand 
the nutrition and possible nutraceutical benefits of the red algaes as what I'm focusing on when we talk about sea moss. So there's still a lot to learn, but we understand there's benefit. Bioavailability has critical relevance in both proportional digestion and uptake of nutrients and functional food components, but also the degree of fermentation and nature of the host microbiome metabolism in the colon. So everybody has a different digestive component breakdown and that will determine for most people how well they're able to uptake and receive the availability of the nutrients. Not all human gut microbiomes have equal competencies and the fermentation of the polysaccharide are going to differ, especially in different regions. Gut bacteria plays a very important role in how well we as humans break down and digest these seaweeds. Because humans lack the ability to, to digest beta glucons and the red algae is, is, is a glucon polysaccharide as in typical cellulose which is what we know is referred to as a dietary fiber so it's an indigestible material the body does not break it down but we want to get the nutrients within the fiber that the body can digest and that process is determined by our gut bio makeup our gut biome is what will determine how we benefit from these superfoods. Digestion and bioavailability, very important, very, very important. Nutritional value, again, is, is, is very, very rich. We, we understand that seaweeds contain proteins, which, which widely differ across all the groups of the algae. But those proteins have filaments, a cyanobacterium in some cases. That would be our red algaes. And believe it or not, that's the precursor to vitamin B12. Imagine that. Very, very important protein aspect. Synthesis. Among the marine microalgae, red and green algae contain high levels of protein in contrast to lower levels in most brown algaes. So, wow, we look at protein in, in form of amino acid breakdown, beneficial, beneficial. Protein concentration in algae is often estimated using total nitrogen to protein. So it's a conversion factor. But roughly you see about 10% full biomass in your red algaes. And that's a rough average across the board. But that doesn't include the browns and the greens. I, I didn't I didn't take a look at their values. But about ten percent amino acid composition when we look at the red algaes. And when we look at the conjus crispus, it's about thirteen percent protein and complete complete amino acids. There was a article I have and it is talking about the amino acid makeup of the chondrus crispus. And it's amazing because it talked about citrulline 
and arginine. And those are amino acids that a lot of people are deficient in, which benefit and help the cells with metabolism, energy, function, and cellular respiration, which causes a natural relaxation across the tissues. So understanding, wow, you know, the red algaes have not only the minerals, the vitamins, but the proteins that are that are amino acids that are complete, essential, and in relatively good quantities. This is very, very beneficial. This is, again, truly, truly what I consider a seaweed superfood. Just amazing, 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 amazing. There's even sterols in the brown and the red algae. And those act as precursor hormones. And they prevent oxidization against the cells. But those are what we consider our, our poly-chain fatty acids. And that compound has value in treating complications centered around diabetes, hypertension, and, and other, other major health concerns. So many, so many useful benefits outside of minerals. When we look at the true breakdown of algaes in general, and specifically the red algaes, they also have antioxidants. Not surprisingly, very, very excellent source of antioxidants that we find in all the algaes. Just a true, true, true superfood, unlike any other. Phytochemicals that we still are testing and discovering, understanding that the red algaes have the ability to change and mutate, and the species are ever-growing. Tonight, I've really, really had a great time going in depth, talking about some of the characteristics centered around the red algaes and general use with the reference of my white papers. And tonight, I used algae as a nutritional functional food source from the NCBI database. We also use ResearchGate database discussing the nutritional value of various edible red seaweeds and a review of the nutrient composition of selected edible seaweeds. We also use my favorite ScienceDirect database talking about Chondrus crispus and the agricultural and biological sciences of Chondrus crispus. It truly, truly is is a pleasure to to go in depth and and break down the research and the facts and share them with you guys, the listeners, as this is this is what matters most when we look at understanding the use of in this case superfood, nutraceutical and, and greater nutritional supplementation and in, in a natural form coming from the greatest mass, the ocean. As we learned tonight, the red algaes are very, very diverse. They have a rich, rich history that stems back hundreds of years and their individual history goes back more further than a decade ago. But we have to understand that they've mutated over billions 
in billions of years. And there's over several thousand species of the red. We're going to continue to dig deep and dive. And we're going to go and learn everything we can utilizing the facts and the research. It has been my pleasure, your host, Robert Diaz, to bring to you the best in holistic health talk. You've been listening to Nature Roots Radio, broadcasting to you live from Boynton Beach. This is episode 10, part 2, Sea Moss and Nutrition. If you ever, ever want to learn a little more, go to the website, natureroots.com, spell N-A-C-H-R-R-O-O-T-Z.com. And you'll have a portal full of free information. Again, it's been my pleasure. I'm your host, Robert Diaz, Certified Holistic Nutritionist, broadcasting to you live. Until next time, stay healthy, stay wise.